0: Here's the pattern in the book of Numbers. I mentioned this last week. The only law that God originally gave Israel were the Ten Commandments. And then he kind of like unpacked that a little bit with the legal system. So he said, okay, here's the law. Love God, love others. Okay, don't murder, don't steal, that kind of stuff. Let's say somebody comes up to you and they've stolen. Well, this is how you execute and punish them. That's what the book of Exodus says. This is basically God saying, here are the Ten Commandments, which is basically love God and love others. And then he gives them some court cases of this is how you deal with people who violate these commandments. That's all the law was. The law grew over time. Why did it grow? Because the people rebelled. And every time they rebelled, God had to come up with more laws. And I mentioned this last week. Like, when I first had a kid, I didn't have any rules because they were just this little blob of flesh and they were pooping and eating and sleeping. And so, but when they started crawling and walking and that kind of stuff, then it's like I had to think of like, oh no, don't touch my books, you'll rip them. Okay, don't do that. No, don't do that. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think I had to make these. And there's so many rules I never thought I would ever have to come up with because I couldn't have never imagined anybody possibly in their right mind even doing a lot of these things. <laughs> And all of a sudden you know this is you start heaping all these rules on them. And then you start feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel like that's all I'm doing is putting rules on them. And saying, no, 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 no. They're going to need counseling when they get older. Okay? (laughs) Because it's their sin that keeps causing me to say, I need to come up with more boundaries. And that's what we have in the book of Numbers. Every single time they sin, God comes in with more laws. And I know we feel like, oh my gosh, laws, these are so boring and I don't understand them. But you have to understand the theological point that God is making here. The more they rebel, the more laws they get. The more they rebel, the more laws they get. The reason the law is growing is because of their sin. Because their lack of trust in God. There's this great... I don't know if any of you watched Doctor Who. Doctor Who is this... Uh, <laughs> basically this alien who lives in outer space, but he looks like a human. He travels through the universe in space and time. And he basically comes to the rescue of innocent people being hurt. And he comes in and rescues them. And he's a really good guy. And he's got all these rules and the kind of stuff of what he will not do. And he refuses to kill people. And the main goal of Dr. Who is he always is trying to save people and redeem bad guys. His goal is not to punish the bad guys, but to redeem them. And when they refuse to be redeemed, then he punishes. And basically he's a guardian of the galaxy. And there's this really cool scene where all these like people come up and they're trying to get Doctor Who to do a horrible evil thing. They've decided that they can't stop him through power, so they decide to get him to sin, kind of like Joseph. We can't stop him physically because God's with him, so let's just get him to sin. And that's what um, the Moabites did with Israel too. We can't stop God; He's protecting them militarily. Uh, oh, we're not there yet. So never mind. So they come up to him, and they, they can't get him to do it. And they're like, oh, here's Doctor Who, the goody two-shoe. He won't do these things because he's a good person. And one of the most theologically profound things that I've ever heard coming out of a Hollywood movie or TV show, <laughs> he says, no, I'm not a good person. That's why I have so many rules to regulate my life. And what he gets is, is that rules are the only thing that will regulate the sin nature if you are not being transformed into something new. And you need to understand that because when we get to Deuteronomy, that's going to be a... And I'm probably going to repeat that story again, so forgive me. Um, because that's the main idea of the Torah. And this is what Moses is going to say in Deuteronomy. These rules are here, and they will keep piling up, and they will keep building in your life. And they'll keep bringing judgment in your life because you'll keep rebelling against the rules. And that will keep happening until the day that God changes your heart. And that's a huge foreshadowing to Jeremiah 31, where he says, The day will come when I write my law on your heart. And Joel 2, where he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And Ezekiel 11, where he says, And you will all be given a new heart. And then when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, he comes in and he gives us a new heart and begins to transform us. And for the first time ever, we're not humans who our lives are being regulated and controlled by rules and fear of consequences. Now we can truly have our hearts being transformed to the point that we actually want to obey and will obey because we love God. And that's what you misunderstand. Until then, there is no Holy Spirit in their life because there is no blood of Christ. And so the only thing that you can do to regulate the sin of man is wrong consequences. Don't go used to say, locks only keep honest people honest. If somebody really wants to get in your house, they will. The only thing the lock does is to prevent the people who are scared to death to get caught or violate the rules. But that doesn't mean in their heart they're a good person because they walked by your house and didn't break in. It just meant that they feared consequences more. And that's all you have to regulate a sinful humanity if there isn't a Holy Spirit changing them. And that's the point that Numbers is making. These are a sinful people who are not being transformed because they refuse to be transformed. And so the only thing God has is to pile more rules on. And hopefully the fear of punishment Will keep them from being so evil that they'll just damage other people's lives. Until your heart changes, that's all you have, and that's probably why a lot of times with your kids when they're young, all you feel like you're doing is piling rules on. Until that transformation begins to happen in their heart, it's really all you have, and that's the sad part of the human nature. And that's what the Book of Numbers is trying to display here, is that this is why they're getting more rules. Because their heart is not changing. And if the heart doesn't change, then all you have is the law. God comes in with these supplemental laws of chapter 15. We're going to go through this quick because some of this is repetitious from Exodus, but they're just being elaborated a little bit more. Basically, God goes in once again and says this. Remember, they just got kicked out of the land. So now he kind of starts talking about the land. The day that you actually enter the land, which you're not going to, so this is for your children, remember one of the things, first things you're going to do is you're going to get fruit. And because you refuse God, you have no fruit of the land. But your children will trust God. They'll take the land. They'll get fruit. So the first thing they have to do is offer that fruit to God as a thank you offering. And this is what he's saying you are not getting fruit because you don't trust God. Therefore, you have nothing to thank God for. If you don't trust God, you won't see His faithfulness, you won't see His blessings, and you won't see Him at work in your life, and therefore you have nothing to thank Him for. And this is the key. If you truly want to see, to be content, to be truly satisfied, to truly have a grateful and thankful heart, then you have to trust God. Because when you trust God, He shows up in amazing, powerful ways, and then you have all of this praise to offer Him as a thanks offering. Because now you have a content and satisfied and joyful heart. And this is what He's emphasizing, is that your children will be able to truly praise and thank God with the fruit of the land when they enter it, because they will trust God. You could have had that. You could have had that. And so this is what he emphasizes, the different sacrifices that they're supposed to give from the different crops that he's going to provide for them as a reminder that the reason you have these crops is because God gave it to you. This is why you tithe. You don't tithe because the church needs more money. You don't tithe because you feel like you're going to be a bad person. You tithe because you can't help but thank God and bless other people after you've been blessed by God. So then he goes on, And gives an example of the stoning. So there's this guy out there collecting sticks on the Sabbath, and they come to him and they say, what should we do? And God says, stone him. And you're like, holy cow, that seems harsh. This guy's collecting sticks, and God's going to stone him for it. The point is not that that's a little teeny thing that he messed up on, and the point is that if you're going out to take the time to collect sticks, then that means you've intentionally decided to violate the Sabbath. Now, remember the Sabbath is mostly about ceasing from the work that makes it difficult for you to connect to God so that you may rest in God and remember how great he is so that when you go back out into your work, you'll be more content and satisfied and do that work for God. That's the point of the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath was not just about not working. The point of the Sabbath was ceasing the work that makes it hard for you to spend time with God and worship Him. And then you spend time with God and you remember how great He is so that you become refilled up in who He is and you go back into the world content and satisfied and filled with joy to go back into the trials. This guy decided that getting his fire built and taking care of himself and making sure that he was provided for was more important than resting with God and dwelling with God. And the reason he got stoned was not because he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath, it was because he intentionally decided that he was going to provide for his own needs rather than dwell and rest in God and see God provide for him. And the reason this story is here and it feels kind of out of place is because this is exactly what Israel's done. And so what God is trying to say with this law is that Israel failed to cease from working in their own efforts to conquer the land, and they failed to rest with God and just see him conquer the land. And that's what a violation of the Sabbath is. Not doing the Sabbath is, I've got this checklist, and I've got to get it done, and I'm all stressed out, even when I'm on vacation, I'm going to be talking about and thinking about work. And all I can think about is I've got to do, and i got to do, and i got to do, and if I don't do this, I can't pay the bills, and I'm not going to... The Sabbath is when you walk in the presence of God, and you give all that up, and you say, I'm not going to think about the things that are stressing me. I'm not going to think about all the things I have to do. I'm not going to think about all the things that are failing, not because I'm just going to wipe my mind clean and try not to think about it and just think happy, joyful thoughts, but because I'm going to intentionally walk in the presence of God, and I'm going to fill my mind with the remembrance of how... Good and great and sovereign God is and faithful. So that when I walk back out of the presence of God, which today we have to be thankful, we have the Holy Spirit, so you're never walking out of the presence of God. But when I go back into the pinball machine of life that knocks me around and blinds me with all the distractions, then I'm going back into life remembering God is good. He was good here, 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 here in my past. And now I can go in, and now when I go back into work, I'm not stressed. I'm not thinking about all the things I have to do. I'm not thinking about if I don't finish this checklist, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to get the job promotion. I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. Because I know in the end, it will all be taken care of because God is good and I'm trusting in him. That's the point of the Sabbath. And if you have to go work in the garden to connect with God, then that's the Sabbath rest. But the garden stresses you out, then get out of the garden. <laughs> you do what you need to do to connect with God And then you also do that as a community of people coming together because church is not this building. Church is when we all come together and rest in the Holy Spirit that we all have in common. And we encourage each other and we serve each other and we remind each other of who God is and what he's done so that we all go back out again as the body of Christ. Rest in God and no longer stress. And if a Sunday is not enough to de-stress you and make you feel content, then you need to spend longer in the Sabbath. And the beauty is now that we have the Holy Spirit, the Sabbath is not a day that we go to the tabernacle. Now the Sabbath is every minute of our life because everywhere we go is the tabernacle. And so that's why God punishes this guy so harshly because he becomes a micro example of what Israel just did on a macro level. He intentionally said, I don't trust God to take care of me on this day, so I am going to work to provide for myself. Because if I don't do it, I won't be okay in life. And that's exactly what Israel just did on a national level. And that's why this law is here. And that's why this law is so harsh. Because God doesn't really ever punish the behavior. He punishes the heart. Because the behavior is a symptom of the heart. Does that make sense? Then, in the last several verses of chapter 15, he reminds them that they're to decorate the hem of the robe with tassels. Now, remember, we talked about it. Well, if you're here, we talked about it with Joseph. The Israelites were required, and other cultures did it too. They would have a robe, and they would tie tassels to the bottom of the robe. And these tassels had knots in each tassel, so many knots with so much spaces between them. And the knots and the spacings told the lineage of their family. So you could look at one tassel, and that would be dad. You could look at another tassel, and that would be grandfather. Another tassel, and go back, and you would see their lineage. You could also look at the tassels and see where they were in the family, the firstborn, the secondborn, and that kind of stuff. You could look at the tassels and see what power or position they have in the tribe. This is the equivalent of the Scottish kilts. You look at a certain plaid and it would tell you what family, their lineage, and whether they were influential or not. So God required this of every family. Every family did this. The difference is that he told them that they were to put on the four corners of the robe, they were to tie in a blue thread woven every tassel. Now blue was a symbol of royalty and blue was such an expensive dye that only the extremely wealthy people could afford it he's now telling every single Israelite to weave this blue thread into their tassels because what he's trying to tell them is that they all are royalty to a certain extent because they are all the chosen people of God. Their tassels told you what their identity was in their family. God having them weave the same color of blue that was found in the tabernacle into their family lineage is telling them that they have a second family lineage and that's the fact that they belong to God and they're all a part of the family of God. And so notice how he's punishing them and reminding them this is what happens if you don't trust in God, but he ends by reminding them, but you're my child and I love you and you're part of a new family. A family that is royalty. A family that has spiritual blessings. A family that is life. And this is exactly what God does. Every single time that God punishes you, He always ends with forgiveness, a hug, and a reminder that you're the child of God. And this is how the prophets work. The prophets, when they judge you, they're always slapping you and hugging you at the same time. They slap you for your sin, but they always end every book with a hug and a reminder that God loves you no matter what. He'll restore you no matter what. And this is why, this is one of the things I've tried to implicate in my own life as a parent, is yes, I might be punishing my children, and they might go to time out and there'll be consequences, but I try to make sure that every time out ends with a, I love you, I forgive you, and a big hug. Because that's the character of God. Here are the judgments, but he ends with, but please don't ever forget, you're my child. And you're part of a special, royal spiritual family that no other nation in the world is a part of because they're always based on hierarchy and works and I, your family is based on I am with you does that make sense? Mm